Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. I really hate to bum you all out, but that's the best part of the whole day right now. So it's kind of, kind of a slow slide downhill for me. But, uh, <laughs> you know what is really cool to me about that? And it was interesting. I was in the rehearsal on Wednesday, and uh, Kevin Reynolds and I were talking. And Kevin has been here since he was a 12-year-old kid. And I uh, was playing drums, actually, here now, and uh, as a family of his own. We were just reminiscing on different things. And then I was occurring to me as I was watching them up here how Nick has grown up in this church since a young kid. And Jake is a young man. These, these are individuals who have grown up in this place. And some of the depth in history. And there's other individuals of you that I've just met recently who have just come in in the last month or two or so. But your hearts are so um, tuned to the sensitivity of the things of God and to a desire for community. And honestly, I have a deep love for this fellowship. Now, that's a bizarre thing for, for, for someone like me to say. And the reason why is because I grew up in the church. I grew up in a pastor's home. And the last thing I said I would ever do would be involved in ministry. Because the churches I grew up in many times were dysfunctional. There was um, gossip and animosity and other issues that were lurking underneath the surface. And that lurks under all organized gatherings of humanity. But I took it personal coming in the church. And uh, my statement I made over the years was, I never rebelled from God. God, I, I love you. It's just your people I can't stand. And, uh, and I began to realize you cannot say that and be in a relationship with God. And God, through the process of this, brought healing into my own life. And in large ways, through this church, I've only been involved in one other church before this, East Detroit, as youth pastor for a short period of time before I came here as youth pastor. And so... This has been a place that I've spent uh, some degree of time. And you guys have been phenomenal in your faithfulness, in the attitude with which you approach things, the humility with which you have done ministry in this past year of time. I want to talk to you a little bit today about great responsibility, and I want to talk to you a little bit about something that we rarely discuss, and it has to do with money and finances and things of this nature, and how we give and why we give and all that's involved with that. But but sometimes we need to understand what that giving achieves. And so I want to walk you through a very short um, visual montage, if you will. Uh, it is in no way complete. But it gives you a snapshot of what's been achieved in this past year. And so first up on the screen, if you'll throw it up there, please, right away, is the Osborne Partnership. The Osborne Partnership, our mission there has, um, our vision is to see the spiritual, physical transformation of the Osborne community in a place of faith, hope, and stability. The mission statement we started with several years ago was to humbly serve the students, teachers, and families of the Osborne community in faith and in deed. Our strategy was to address needs in a way that encourages transformation. It was to preserve the integrity of Scripture, enable self-sustenance, offer opportunities for the gospel to be modeled or shared, and to build relationships. 
Our values are that we will have an ongoing commitment. We will be adaptable and flexible. We will value relationships over resources. We will value people over process. And we will treat each individual with respect. We'll exercise humility in all we do. And we will finish what we start. Population Detroit is listed recently. I was given the stat of 680,000 people. The child population, 1 to 17, is 163, almost 164,000. Children in poverty, 0 to 17, 96,000 kids. That's 57, over 57%. Youth 18 to 24, not in school, not working, 24,000. We're attempting to have impact on that in the Osborne community. This is part of that work. Just flash through these a quick. If you would, service Saturdays, you heard about these. Just different ways that we minister in the community around there, from safe zones to everything else, to blight removal and a whole bunch of uh, things that are there. Um, engagement in the halls and in the school there as well. Um, this is one of the uh, food being served at one time. A lot of times people aren't getting meals, and so we serve food as well. Another shot going forward, just keep them there, and there's a robotics team. They didn't have a robotics team in Osborne until two years ago when our people came in and started one up. They won Rookie of the Year Award their first time out, placed seventh out of, I think, 100 and how many was it? Uh, you remember it all? Uh, how many schools? How many? It was like 100. 100, it's over it was 100. I know it was 100, like 130 or something like that. And we placed seventh or so on that. And so the team that was been involved in this, they're revving up for another year again and uh, kicking on forward. Stockings. We took stockings this time in for uh, Christmas. Um, 700 stockings that were packed on a Thursday night here during the journey. Inside the stockings was a variety of things. They had a flashlight on a keychain with a scripture verse on it, two candy bars, a bag of trail mix, a bag of pretzels, Little Caesars gift card worth a, a hot and ready, including the tax was already paid for in the card. A postcard with personalized signatures, and then they had information on local ministries from Young Life uh, um, uh, Club at Osborne to Total Life Church and things of that nature. Also, hold that picture for a minute. Back that one up. Because what happened is uh, we still had some extras left over. And we saw kids that were literally running through the school to try and find our teams to give them, uh, to, to get hold of the, the packets and stuff. Had extras left over. So we went into the neighborhood, not just randomly, the neighborhood that we've worked on before with the block captains. Went to the block captain, she said, sure. So she goes ahead and knocks on the doors and we go through the neighborhood distributing these stockings door to door. And the response was just phenomenal and just the impact that someone cared. Someone had an awareness at that time for them. Going forward, play place for autistic children. We've been supportive of that with one of our very own people that have launched this ministry in this area um, to autistic children. It's what have received wide support in the community. That's an ongoing thing that's happening. Continuing on, we've got Life Remodeled, uh, um, where we went to Durfee. We re reshaped an entire area along with 10,000 volunteers. But we were the most significant church involved in that process. And that's, that is a fact. We were up there on a level of corporate sponsorship as far as financially what we were engaged in and the number of our people that even involved small businesses and trades and other things to renovate Derby High School uh, into a place of, area of ministry and transform that area. It was a fantastic undertaking. And every time we would hear when, the, when, when they were looking for the tough jobs, they stuck it to us. Okay? I like that. Okay? I like that. Uh, going on. Uh, we had Total Life Church need a roof being put on. So our guys went out there and you provided for the cost of repairing that roof and continuing to remodel that building to be a, a point of ministry over on Gratiot, just south of seven, seven Mile Road or so. Going on further, keep it rolling along here. We've got Bridges. Bridges is a unique ministry. It's one of only several in the country, or in the, in the city area here at all. It's, it's providing um, care during the service 
for parents that have children with disabilities, autism, etc. And so skilled workers provide for them. Those parents cannot involve themselves in a regular service with their children due to the disruption that would be a part of that, generally speaking. Bridges is unique in what is provided for that. And then once a year, we bind with other areas. We have this Easter egg hunt where we gather everyone together, and I think there were several hundred people that were here for that uh, event going on, flipping through. Got caroling at Heartland across the street here. We've got a relationship with them, and so our people went through there and strolled through, did a little ministry, just caroling. Nice little bass guitar going on there as well. Uh, kicking forward, mission partners. Um, RZIM, uh, this is the foremost apologetics ministry, defending the faith, explaining it from an intellectual perspective uh, um, to individuals from Harvard University to business areas to all sorts of things. And so we've been a key player along with that and one of our close relationships, personal relationships through Mickey, uh, Abdu Murray is the North American director for RZIM, a ministry that covers, I think, at least 27 countries that they're involved in now. Uh, continuing on, we raised over $12,000, almost 13000 for Florida hurricane relief. We funneled that through Turning Point Church, a church that we also support, launched two years ago. It is already in the two 300 range and is growing and doing phenomenal things. A former staff person here, uh, Steve Gill, who's uh, pioneering that, both Latin and Anglo. Um, going on a few things here. We got some missions trips in Guatemala. They're involved in Teen Challenge there in a youth leadership thing and a feeding program. Those are cute. Okay, a feeding program in Guatemala that you fed children down there. Uh, Costa Rica, uh, another area of ministry, um, rebuilt this house that was nothing for this family um, so that they had a roof over their heads and, and things of that type. Flashing through Dakar, an ongoing ministry we have. We had a team out there, several teams that were ministering and working with college students. These are the future leaders of Senegal, uh, PhD candidates, uh, master degree candidates, individuals in the university that we've been forming relationships over the years. There has literally been hundreds of thousands of dollars that has gone out of this church into areas that are not part of this church. We have been involved in conversations uh, in Washington, D.C. on racial reconciliation. Uh, we have been involved in Detroit in the ceasefire initiative to end the gang violence through the uh, um, uh, faith-based coalition that we have been a founding member of. Uh, we are ministering to those who are victims of the crimes, individuals who've lost a husband or a child or a wife due to shooting or something else. You're ministering. You're engaged in helping those individuals. There are so many things that, honestly, I cannot go through them all this morning and list them all of what your involvement has either enabled or directly affected. There is one other item. There's a little thing called Puerto Rico, and we asked for you to be involved with that. We are driven by relationship and by what um, we believe in prayer God is leading us to. And I won't spend the time as to why Puerto Rico right now, but um, any of you guys interested in how much you guys ended up contributing to that issue? Yeah, I, you know, I think it would have been fantastic if there had been $10,000 that would have come in for that. And that's not exactly what came in, but that's okay. Uh, it was $27,000 actually that came in for Puerto Rico. And so we'll be having one, at least one team and possibly several others connecting with the church there and funneling things into that through relationships so that every dollar is counting and making an impact. This is just a snapshot. It doesn't even cover what's going on here on Sundays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and through the week and, and different ministries and men and ladies and counseling, all the other features that are taking place around here. 
It doesn't even begin to touch upon areas of financial relief, even for individuals within our own congregation or other circumstances and situations come up. There are too many of them to even begin to take track of and keep count of. We say every time that you come into this place for worship that those who don't understand what giving is about, that you do not need to give and be a part of that process in worship. We mean that sincerely because others have given so that those things are provided. And to us, that's a perfect example of the gospel because Christ has provided already for us so that until we come to an understanding of what that is, he covers us. Once we come to an understanding of that, once we come to an understanding and a relationship with God, at that time, there is a responsibility that comes upon us. If we are going to grow at any point in time in our faith, if we're going to grow in relationship and understanding, then responsibility is part of that. And understanding as part of that, not just spiritually what we're doing, not just through prayer or developing of our understanding of Scripture. Detroit Bible Institute, another thing. We've had, I think, I don't remember, it's 10, 15 other churches that we've ministered with their individuals coming and growing through that, as well as our own people through that. But once we come to that point, there begins to be a march of maturity, and some of that has to impact our finances. Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson, I think it was Sam Houston, was uh, an, an ancestor of his, evidently. Rough and tough guy. Uh, president of Texas, I think, at one point in time. And at one point in time, this tough guy becomes a, a follower of Christ, and he's baptized. And it was shortly after that that he significantly contributed to the local church and, and its budget and what was taking place there. And people who knew him to be a pretty uh, domineering, controlling kind of guy said, what happened here? And he says, when I got baptized, my wallet got baptized too. <laughs> and he became significant in his engagement. There, um, back in the, the 70s when I was growing up um, and was studying psychology and all, there was this guy, Abraham Maslow, some of you might remember him at all, if you were back in that time, and they had a, like a triangle, and there were basic needs that, that had to be met, and the very base one was physical needs, or eating, sleep, you know, things of that nature. The next one was safety, and our, our safe environment. The next one was self-esteem, and then up at the top of that was something called self-actualization. That's what he became known for. This is where you can enjoy beauty and truth and philosophy and friends and begin to reflect and process. And if you were in the 70s, do a massive amounts of drugs as well. Um, it was the 70s. Um, in the same way, I kind of want to take you quickly this morning from basic to the highest um, understanding of giving and where finances are concerned. The very first one is the baseline where we start with. We start with self-interest. There are those who give into this congregation because um, they benefit directly in some way or another. You know, your kids in Bridges or in a youth group or, or in a children's ministry or you were counseled in one way with marital issues or whatever the case, or you just are strengthened or encouraged or the fellowship or the fun or whatever it may be. And so you pay to keep the doors open, whatever that is. It's just self-interest. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. It's a baseline. And so there are those that $10, $25 a week, the same thing that I'd pay for any good show, you know, or anything that I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in or any club I'm part of, uh, I, I pay to play and I'm part of that process maybe. Nothing wrong with that. That's the baseline. That's a starting point. The second one that would go beyond that is where the Bible starts getting involved then. So when we move beyond just a self-interest because we realize there's certain things we draw from this or we gain from this, but then we actually begin to grow and understand and we explore Scripture 
And we begin to find different items and presents. And the, the next one is spiritual gratitude. In Psalm chapter 116, verse 12, it says, What shall I return to the Lord for all His goodness to me? Somewhere in the process, we move from the peripheral of just self-interest to suddenly realizing as we listen to the Word of God, as we study the Word of God, as we examine and realize what Christ sacrificed for us, what this God who loved us so much to not just create us, but to pursue us with great passion and great love, we realize the, the very ability we have to breathe and to move, the, the, the talents and skills and education I've acquired to reach the positions even that I've reached. We begin to realize the, the song that was played so well by these two guys. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And somewhere in our journey, we move from just the self-interest of keeping the doors open and the lights on for our own purposes to suddenly realizing that God has done something significant for us. And we begin to look at our lives and our talents and our abilities and our finances and everything differently and realize everything comes from God. And out of a spiritual sense of gratitude, we offer something up to Him. And our giving changes. It changes. The next level up beyond that is spiritual obedience. There's this passage in Matthew chapter 8 that's a favorite passage of mine. And those of you in leadership can understand this perhaps. Jesus is approached by this centurion. He's a guy who was a commander of men. And he comes and he has a servant that needs to be healed. And Jesus says, I'm, I'm into healing. That's cool. Let's, let's go to your place. And he says, no, I'm not really worthy to have you come here. In Matthew chapter 8. I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And then he goes on and says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me and I say to one go and he goes and to another come and he comes and to my servant do this and he does it I understand how authority works and you sir have authority Jesus so you don't need to come you just you have command you have authority you just say it and it'll be done when Jesus heard this he marveled and he said to those who followed him truly I tell you with no one that there's no one in Israel that I found that has such faith nobody this guy got it he says, just say the word, and it's going to be done. The next level beyond self-interest and gratitude is getting to the point of spiritual obedience. When we move beyond just hearing the word and receiving what God's given to us in grace and recognizing all we have, to actually exploring and saying, what does the Bible say? What does God say to us about money and about finances? And we begin to explore those things. And we sit here and say, okay, whatever he's saying, that's what I want to be obedient to. He, I want to come under his authority. It's not just enough to be grateful and, and, and love Mr. Rogers, but it's now to follow and obey. When I go into that, I go into a, a multitude of scriptures. Jesus talked about money more than practically anything because he understood that it revealed our hearts, what we prioritize, what we value what we appreciate. One passage is in Malachi chapter 3, 8. It says, well, man robbed God, yet you're robbing me. And you say, how I robbed you? And your tithes and contributions. This is just one of a dozen different scriptures that talk about tithes. And they're not all Old Testament. Some are New Testament. 
Jesus condemns the Pharisees and says, you tithe on everything, even the littlest detail, but you don't have love and compassion. You should have continued with that tithing, but you also should have these other emotions. And all we want to do is jump to that point of saying, well, they just weren't, it was all about this. No, he was affirming the fact they tithed. I've heard some people say that they tithe. They don't understand what the term means. They're really self-interest mode still. I get my $25, I do whatever the case is. That's not tithing. A tithe technically, literally, means 10%. The first time we see it is Abraham. He rejects um, some people that he's rescued because they're from Sodom and Gomorrah. Money they want to give him. He doesn't want to be identified or linked to them. He rejects it. But on his way back, he ties, he gives a 10% of the stuff that he's gathered from this, uh, um, from this fight to Melchizedek, the priest king of Salem, later to be Jerusalem, some unusual figure that seems to be a Christ-type figure. He chooses to identify with the priest of God and the things of God by literally 10%. That's what a tithe is. When we move from self-interest to spiritual gratitude, but then we get to spiritual obedience, we begin to read and for ourselves examine what does it mean to be a follower? What does it mean in the areas of money? And we realize 10%, a tithe is the baseline. Now, I made a statement a couple of months ago. Some of you remembered it well. I had a friend of mine come up to me afterwards and tease me a little bit about it. Because I made the statement, and I still believe it fully. I said there are individuals sometimes who I've encountered, who have mismanaged their money so badly that they um, are not able to pay a certain debt, but they still tithe to the church. They'll do their 10% or whatever they think that to be at least to the church, but they're defaulting on debts. And I've said that is wrong. They need to clean up their financial act first. There is no justice, there's no honor, no integrity being brought either to that individual or to the things of God when that vendor hears that you're defaulting so that you can do this. There's nothing spiritual about that. Your finances are so screwed up, you need to first resolve and get control of your finances. Honor the debts that you have. And I had a friend come up to me afterwards because I had not clarified things, but they were intelligent. They understood what they were saying. They were just taking a shot at me. And they said, yeah, so what you're saying is until my school debts paid off entirely, I shouldn't tithe. And I said, hmm. Another friend said, yeah, I've got a mortgage, uh, you know, that's still lingering over my head here. And I said, well, okay, obviously I didn't make this clear. <laughs> I'm not saying that all debt should be eliminated. But what I am saying that you are not to default on things that you have done. Honor those. Get your stuff under control. Once that's under control, though, then yes, the tithe belongs to God. We don't use that to justify all these other expenditures or other issues. If everything else is done and said, then we come in obedience before God. I believe this and I've practiced this. Our leaders have practiced this all the way through our time here. The next level beyond this, if you're really ramping up the trail here, is beyond self-interest, spiritual gratitude and spiritual obedience is something called the free will offering. You grow up. And you begin to be concerned about what God is concerned about. And so there are certain causes, whether it's hurricane relief in, in, a, in a place like Puerto Rico that is still without power in significant parts. We're having trouble getting communication there. Still without power after months. And your heart begins to bleed for that. Or a child in Guatemala, or a person in Dakar, or a kid in Osborne. You begin to have the same concern as God for those things. 
and your heart begins to be drawn to things. Now, you are not obligated for every cause that comes along. In fact, I would, I would argue you should not do that. You should be thoughtful. You should be tuned to the Holy Spirit. But there are times that the Spirit moves us beyond the mere obligation of giving to then saying, I want to address this issue. When that happens, it should never be due to manipulation. There's a passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians that I really believe strongly on. It says, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And people want to take off on that passage big time. I don't think the reaping and sowing is always financially. I think it's emotionally, spiritual, and sometimes even beyond this world. But they use that to manipulate. Give much so you'll get back much. Whole other subject, not time for today. But be careful of those who manipulate. It says, each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do not let someone manipulate you in regards to giving. You are not required to give to every cause. But there are times beyond tithe and beyond obligation where we just feel God stirring our hearts and we're to move in a way that gives. There's only one time in the history of this church that I've ever been a part of or seen where we directly actually asked this congregation for something for the church that was needed at that time. It was 2008, I want to say. It was the, the recession had slammed. Uh, we had just finished the construction of the building. We found ourselves on the edge financially just for a window of time. We were short. We were just, we were okay. We had the barest minimum, and we didn't want to be that way. And so we talked for three minutes, I think four minutes, to the congregation on Sunday morning just like this, three minutes of time. We saw twice as much as was necessary come in over the next several weeks of time. That's the only time we ever made that kind of appeal. Nothing should ever be compelled or manipulated. But there are times when you're going to feel your heart turn to something as you grow up and have that sense. The next one, and there's only two more left, is something beyond self-interest and gratitude and obedience and free will drawing apart. It's something that becomes visionary. It's sacrificial giving. It's something that, that goes beyond just giving of our excess. It goes to the point where this is really making a sacrifice now. This is meaning I'm not going to have my, my you know, double motolake at the end of the day or something else. I'm going to be really limited in certain ways. We're obedient to the tithe. We feel the stirring of the free will prompting. But now something the vision draws us in such a way that we know that God's calling us to something else. I was reminded of this. I'd forgotten some things. I was reminded of this this past week. We had a team of, um, from another church that we've been in a relationship with that is processing the idea of constructing a, a new building. And they came with their team to review our facility and talk with some of our team members and, and see what we ran into and, and what worked and what didn't and things of this nature. And it was a great conversation, great people, great hearts. And I remember as we were walking through this, things that I'd forgotten, we had set a figure of $1 million that we need to reach in pledges that would be held over a three-year period of time. If we didn't reach that, we weren't going to build. I recall now, and it still hits me strongly, being in my office when our business manager of that time brought in the final figure and we'd crossed the line to $1.1 million. And I was in a meeting at the time and I stopped the meeting. And there wasn't the big tossing of hats and party poppers and things of that nature. Quite the opposite. I remember coming in here and I remember kneeling at this place and I wept before God 
because I was broken by the concept that we were going to be entrusted with these sums of money, that we were going to be entrusted with the vision of establishing something that would expand the ministry base of this church. Many of others felt the same way. Part of that process I had forgotten, but I bring up to you now, is that many of us, many of the people in this room, made sacrificial giving above and beyond a tithe to make that happen. My wife and I felt that we were to commit her salary, which was a part-time salary at that time, at EDS. It was a sum involving tens of thousands of dollars annually for a three-year period that we were to commit that. That was sacrificial for us. It really, truly was. There were others that did the same. And so we saw the building that was from the 80s renovated to a modern facility. We saw the expansion of the atrium and the and the uh, um, concourse. And some of you who were here at that time recall that we met in a tent out back, 1,000 of us. And after the service was done, each person was given a stake. Everyone was brought their own. It was a, it was a BYOH, I think, kind of thing, bring your own hammer day. And so everyone brought their own hammer. But they had markers. And we marked on one side the name of the family. And on the other side, you put a scripture or you put the name of someone that you wanted to see reached. And we pounded those stakes into the ground out where the concourse and atrium is now. And little streamers were attached to them like surveyor sticks. We prayed over them as individuals while a bagpiper played. I just thought that was cool. Then the stakes were collected. The building was constructed. And our art people put that together into that design with Christ in the center representing the community a creative community founded upon Jesus Christ. I have had since then several times when individuals have come to me who were not part of the fellowship at that time, were not even followers of Christ, have come to me with tears in their eyes and said, my name is on that wall. Someone prayed for me. Someone had a vision. Someone gave sacrificially beyond obedience and anything else in order to enable a facility and a ministry that reached me. And I've seen these individuals grow in faith and themselves pick up the burden of responsibility. It has been one of the most awesome things to view and see and participate in. There is one final thing beyond, and the sacrificial you know, giving is a, is a significant thing. But there's one element beyond this, and then we'll wrap this up today pretty quickly. In Luke chapter 7, there's this woman that comes in and um, she breaks open this perfume. Verse 37, a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he, Jesus, was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment and standing behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment broke it open, this valuable thing, would have been worth well over a year's wages. Think of that. One moment of expression. Turning toward the woman in verse 44, um, he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. She gave me no wa- you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she's anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. 
final step, when we move beyond the simplicity of self-interest, when we at least understand and, and engage in spiritual gratitude in our giving, when we come to the spiritual obedience of examining the Scripture and understanding tithes and all that are involved with that, to then maybe capturing the heart with a free will offering and finding those specific areas God's called us to, to then having a vision for reaching people in such a way that, that calls us in that specific moment to sacrificial giving. And there's that one step beyond that, and that's love. That's a love for God that just releases whatever we have, that we forget about the concept of tithe. We recognize that literally every breath we have, every talent, every scent, everything we have comes from God. And our love and our response to that is also recognizing of the great responsibility that lays on us to steward those things, to handle them wisely and well, to get a hold of our finances, to control those in a way that we can free those things up for godly purposes. Peter Drucker was considered the single most important thought leader in the area of business management to ever existed. I think he died in 2005. He was asked one time a question. His response to this, he said in an interview, was nothing much is working in this world anymore. The government is not working very well. Business is not working very well. Education is not working very well. There are very few things that are working well. When someone asks, he says, what do you mean by that, Peter? He says, there are very few things that transform people's lives. When asked, is there anything that is transforming people's lives today that you see? He said, this guru of the business world, he said just a couple of things. Local churches, 12-step programs, and a few non-for-profit agencies. When he was asked, well, what is that... What does that make you do when you think about those things? He said this, quote, I am going to just devote the last years of my life toward getting behind local churches and the kind of churches that transform lives. To do anything other than that would be sheer folly. Bill Bennett said this a ways back. I submit to you that the crisis of our time is spiritual, not political. Those are my words there. What afflicts us as a nation is a corruption of the heart and a turning away of the soul. Nothing has been more consequential in the unraveling of our society than large segments of the American society privately turning away from God. And to turn things around, there must be a widespread spiritual, personal renewal. I think that that does not come by politicians. I do not think that that comes by um, a force of things. I think that comes from the love of God. I think it comes from a people who are so passionate about the things of God that it changes their pocketbook. That it provides the fuel and the energy to do ministry that can expand around the entire globe, but certainly in this area of Detroit. I believe in this strongly. And this morning, I ask you to consider as you begin this year that first, reorder your finances. Get them under control. Clip up the credit cards if you need to do whatever, but get them under control. And as part of that process, move beyond self-interest. Move beyond just spiritual gratitude. At least rise up to spiritual obedience in the area of tithing and the area of giving. 
Let your heart be stirred by moments that move you to giving a free will offering. Let your imagination be caught by things that will move you to sacrificial giving. Those are rare, once or twice maybe in a lifetime, but look for those. But finally, most completely and purely, do not be moved by anyone's manipulation, clever words, or compulsion. If there's anything, we come to that point of brokenness of recognizing, like that woman, like the widow who drops in her last two mites, that we, 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 we have such a love for God because of the love that He has for us that everything is looked at differently. Everything. Our finances are just part of it, but everything's viewed differently. As this year unwinds, I really challenge you, take this conversation today home with you. Seek God in prayer. Look at the scripture. Explore these things. And let's partner together going forward. You'll still hear over the weeks to come at the offering time. If you don't understand these things, let it pass you by because they'll always be present. People who are so processing and we're always going to want to be sensitive to that and thoughtful to that. We don't want that to be the first thing on the agenda. When you want to date, the first thing you do is not whip out your bank accounts and compare them. It's not a good idea. But if you're going to marry, if you're going to have love, if you're going to join that together, then yeah, then suddenly everything that's yours is theirs and vice versa. And it's love that binds you together. There's a song that Jake taught us last week, I think it was or so, and it really struck me, especially the way he positioned it as, as a review of the last year or so. And I felt like that would be an appropriate way for us to conclude this service today. I know we've only sung it once or so, but let's at least start with gratitude. So would you stand with me, please? And just before we do this, Father, I pray that even as we worship you at this closing point in song, that you'd shape us as a people. Just shape us as your people, I pray. Amen. The greater the ability, the greater the responsibility. I was reminded this past week of, of, of one other thing, and that's that the fountain that you see, some of you don't know this, but the fountain that you see out in the atrium, that tall copper structure with all these stones embedded in a matrix. When we finish the construction out there, and we cut the big ribbon or so, everyone had brought that day a, a rock or a stone that represented them, and they dropped them in a pot. And our artists put them together in that matrix with the water flowing over. And since then, others who have come, if they wanted to, have taken a stone, you'll find some that are just lying at the base of it inside there as well to represent them. But that was intended to represent us in community, our individualities in community, 
with the Holy Spirit flowing over us and shaping us and changing us. I hope and pray, honestly, that this conversation this morning, that the Holy Spirit will take this, and as He flows over you in the days and weeks and years to come, will shape your thinking. And so to that effect, Father, I pray that to the degree that there is truth in any of what has been said today, that you would make that real to the hearts and minds of your people and transform how we handle ourselves in this area of giving. We thank you, God. I thank you so much. You have blessed us in so many ways, and we are not even nearly capable of giving you the honor due. But just this morning, we thank you. We give you praise and we give you honor. You are a good, good Father. And you are gracious to us. Go with us as we leave this place today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.